And as I was preparing this lesson, I realized that, man, God was, was teaching me to trust more in Him than I do trust in myself. But I've realized as well that as, as a people, we are very trusting. Sometimes when, when I'm driving, I, I look at my wife as we're going a long distance and I see her sleeping and I'm like, how are you trusting me on the freeway driving this fast? <laughs> But I also realized that we are very trusting people when we went down to KZN. So what happens is I punched in the address. Sure, I'm, I'm echoing. I, I punched in the address on Waze. Uh, some of you might use Google Maps. I use Waze. So I just type in a destination and I go. But have you ever thought, what if Google Maps is playing a trick on me? What if that final destination is not where I intended to go? But anyway, we are trusting people, so we go wherever Google tells us to go. However, I realized this as well, that we are trusting people when Tobili and I, yes, I'm blaming the both of us, we were, we were trusting Google again when we were down in KZN. So we went on holiday, I think it was in August, and we went to Leopard's Rock. And when we got to Leopard's Rock, we spent some time um, having breakfast there. And then on the drive back, I said, maybe we should just pass by the, the bridge swing just to see it and to just get a, a, a glimpse of the beauty of the nature. But of course, we're not that wild and we're going to take a bridge swing, but we're just going to look at it. So I trusted in my memory. I remember seeing the sign as we, as we were driving up that said for nine kilometers left, if you drive for nine kilometers left, you'll get to the, to the bridge swing. So we drove and drove and drove till I noticed this is not nine kilometers anymore. So like the trusting person that I am, I, I pulled out my phone and I went two ways and I realized no. This, this is dodgy. Maybe I should trust Google Maps. I, I, I closed my ways and I went on Google Maps and I typed in the destination home. Friends, Google Maps took us to a mountainous off-road trail. Now remember, I don't drive a Fortuna or a Ford Ranger. I drive a Toyota hatchback. Most of the times the car was, was at this type of angle and I remember Tobila looking at me like, you just about about to kill us. I remember as we were driving, all I could think about is, man, I can already read the article, a man injures, initially I put kills, but I thought it's overkill. So a man injures both his wife and him, trusting in his own memory. I don't want to be that guy. Praise the Lord that we made it out alive. Anyway, the, the, the point that I'm getting to here is that trust is an important element of everyone's lives. We trust in the car as we go to school or as we travel around. We trust in the taxi, Uber, or bus driver whenever we travel. We trust in the pastor that he will lead us from scriptures and not lie to us. And generally, we are a trusting people. And that's why it's also a big deal when people break our trust. Because trust is something that is an important element of our lives. So tonight, tonight I want to challenge us that a misplaced trust is detrimental to each and every one of us. But a trust in God is well informed and its fruit lasts for an eternity. So turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. And we'll only read the first eight verses. Proverbs 3 and the first eight verses. And verse 1 reads, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. 
Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and men. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So God, as we go through your word tonight, I pray, Lord, that you please speak to us. I pray, Father, that your word would convict our hearts, that, Lord, we would see the reality of who you are and grow in trusting in you. God, if we're here tonight and we were trusting in something either than you, Lord, I pray that tonight you'd convict us of that and and see us of the great benefits, the, the great fruit of trusting in you. But God, I also pray for myself. I pray, Lord, as I speak tonight, that, Lord, I wouldn't lean on my own understanding. Help me, Lord, to trust in you. I pray that your spirit would speak through me, Lord. I pray that, again, I wouldn't be a hindrance to your word tonight, but people would would be inclined that they would lean in and want to listen to what God has prepared for them. So, God, I pray that you'd rid us of our own ignorance, rid us, Lord, of our egos and arrogance, and would help us, Lord, to want to study this great God. And, Lord, tonight, won't you lead us in doing that, I pray, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing I'd like us to consider tonight is truth taught must be truth applied. Truth taught must be truth applied. And we're going to see this in the first two verses. Now again, more about me. I don't trust roller coasters. I don't trust parachutes. I don't trust bungee cords or even high slides. You know, water slides at the park. I don't trust none of those things. But what I do trust, I trust a skyscraper that's well built. I trust planes and I also trust wide hiking trails. You'll notice from this list that I have a few of heights. But not just any type of heights, I fear risky heights. My brain refuses to trust that I'll be fine on a parachute. No amount of words would convince me to strap myself on a bungee cord. However, I don't believe that it has, however it has been tested, I don't believe that it would be fine if I jumped. But I want us to notice tonight that trusting in God is astronomically different to trusting in any of these things. The element of risk is out of the equation and the level of assurance is perfection. Solomon here encourages his son. He says, my son, remember my words. For these lessons are the wisdom that comes from God. Solomon would have read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 to 9, which says, And these words, the Theopneustos, the words of God and from God, that I have commanded you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Solomon would have taught his son the actual word of God, the doctrines found in the Torah. 
So this statement sounds very familiar. You've probably heard your parents say these words to you. My son, hear my words now. Listen to my instructions now, for you'll thank me later. I don't want to say I told you so, but I will have to say it if you don't listen to my words. But tonight... These words from Solomon to his son weren't just life hacks. They weren't just family tradition. But Solomon saw the value of scripture. He's encouraging his son to remember his words because he has seen that if you train up a child in the way he should go, when he is old, he shall not depart from it. And the ways that Solomon was training his son was the ways of the Lord. So the word forgetting here is not so much amnesia rising from a defective memory, but it is a willful disregard. It is the neglect of the admonitions of a teacher. See, it is this neglect that leaves us vulnerable. This neglect of the truths of God that leaves us vulnerable to false teachers and their false teaching. We then are gullible to trust them and their doctrine because we have neglected and disregarded the doctrines found in Scripture. Solomon knew that these actions would lead his son to idolatry. And that's why Solomon pleads with his son, remember, remember these words that I have taught you. Church, if we want to grow in our trust for God, We need to know who this God is. We need to know why he is trustworthy. We need to remember his words when our hearts are overwhelmed with doubt and anxiety. We need to remember his words when we are faced with rife adversity. We need to remember his words when we are faced with big decisions. We need to remember his words when we are being deceived by the devil and the many antichrists that are rising up in our day. In Hebrews chapter 11, we find an impressive list of men and women in the scriptures who trusted in God. They took God at his word and trusted him to do exactly what he promised that he would do. These people did not just take a blind leap of faith, but it was in fact a leap out of darkness and into light. You probably get the point. The Spirit of God must work in our hearts first to trust in Him. This work is then followed by a desire and the ability to study His Word, study His character, study His works. It is our understanding of the character of God, His nature, that helps us to have a firm trust in Him and His will for our lives. Even when things are either going really good or even when things are going bad. Not only should his son remember his words, but Solomon says he should also keep his commandments. James says in his book, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So Solomon's challenge to his son, and my challenge to us tonight, church, is don't be like the fig tree with no figs. Showing evidence of life through your your theological jargon, but dead in your heart because you show no fruit. Jerry Bridges says, the heart is the first thing that wanders away from God, and it is also the first thing that returns from God. So Solomon's words are intentional. 
Solomon here says, your heart, the sum total of all your affections must obey God's commands for by so doing you will have length of days and year and years of life and peace added to you. So what Solomon is basically saying here is, my son, do you want a happy and a full life? Keep my commandments. Keep them in your heart by application. Children in the room this evening, do you want a full life? Do you want a life that is full of value? Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Church, do you want a happy and full life? Keep in your heart the commandments of God. As I was reading this, I, I, I quickly did a study and I realized that throughout the scriptures, you'll notice that obedience to God is followed by a lengthening of your days. However, we must be careful here because we are all aware of someone who's been faithful to God and it seems as though God has cut their life short. We all might know of someone who lived their life in honor of God, but they died young. So what do we do with that? Well, what I believe we have here is a principle. What Solomon is not giving us here, he's not giving us a promise, but he's giving us a principle, and the principle is, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. Why? So that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. So by application, today, to live a full and rich life here on earth, Obey the Lord. Obey the Lord and all of His commandments. Secondly, He gives us the secret to success. And this should be the part where we pass the offering bag around because this is big stuff here. The secret to success is found in verse 3 to 4. He says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Other translations for the word steadfast love and um, faithfulness there, they use the word mercy and truth. The point here is that the absence of mercy and truth in your life is evidence of the absence of God. The instruction here is cling closely, cling tightly to the mercy and faithfulness of God that outwardly you adorn them and inwardly they govern your motives. For by so doing, you will have success both in heaven and here on earth. But now success is a contentious issue. What is this success? What is this prosperity that is seen to those who are tied to mercy and truth? Because today, there are various ways we measure success. And there are various churches that describe this kind of success. For example, a matriculant who gets distinctions is considered a success, regardless of how much he has learned. The more money an athlete earns, the more successful he is, regardless of how well he plays. 
The more famous or celebrated an actor is, the more successful he is regardless of how well he acts. The more followers you have on social media, the more successful you are regardless of who you are or what you do for a living. You see, this is how the world defines success. God does not. God cannot measure success in the economy of the world. Why? For financial, for fi- financial strength or financial success is not a measure of success. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet he loses his soul? Fame and prosperity are not a measure of success. For this world is passing away. It is doing the will of God that is considered true success. 1 John 2, verse 17 says, He who does the will of God abides forever. So he is wise, who who spends his life on that which has eternal value. For he will receive favor with God, but also he will receive favor with man. You guys remember the story of Joseph? He found favor with Potiphar. He found favor with the keeper of the prison. He found favor with Pharaoh. And it is said of him in Genesis chapter 41, verse 28 to 29, Pharaoh said to his servant, Can we find a man like this, in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all of this, there is none so discerning as wise and wise as you are. I can testify as I've read the scriptures and I've listened to sermons that it can be said of Joseph that he had steadfast love and faithfulness bound around his neck and written on the tablets of his heart. And tonight the question is, do you? Do you have mercy and truth written on the tablets of your heart and bound around your neck? What is spoken about you in the world? Do you have favor with God? And because of this favor with God, do you have favor with men because of your integrity? The third thing I want us to consider tonight is partial trust is failing trust. Partial trust is failing trust. Verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. To partially or half-heartedly trust in God and in ourselves and in something else is not to trust in God at all. It is the essence of of what Jesus says to build your house on the sand. It is as if we have one foot on the rock and another foot on sinking sand. Church, if you can trust God to save you for eternity, then surely you can trust God to lead you for a lifetime. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 that we're going through urges us, trust in the Lord wholeheartedly. This is not a call for for mere intellectual acknowledgement of God and His ways, but it is an intimate relationship with the maker of heaven and earth. Church, this God is the one who holds the future. 
He knows what is truly good for all mankind. He has promised His effectual presence, His grace, His steadfast love, and His mercy. He knows the extent of evil, and praise God, He has crushed it and will crush it. His promises are sure. His word is true, and it is the fear of this awesome God that would lead us to knowledge, for He is the all-wise God. An author says, sorry, the Solomon, he says, with all your heart, depend completely upon Jehovah. Without this reliance on God or this confidence in Him, church, it is impossible to please God. So my son, Solomon says, batach, Cling to, confide in, set your hope on, and have confidence upon. Trust in Him. Trust in Jehovah with all your heart. He then says, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Do you recognize the providence of God in your life? You see, the idea of providence is God's gracious oversight over the universe and all that is in it. Providence is that God sees to it that all things happen in accordance to his will. As the proverbial writer also states that the will of God will not be thwarted. You see, God has left no room in scripture for us to believe that things happen by fate or by blind chance. God is completely sovereign and we see his provident hand in all things. For God upholds all things. He governs all events. He directs everything to its appointed end. He does this all the time and in every circumstance. And he does it always for his glory. So Solomon says, and I encourage us tonight. In all your ways acknowledge God. The rain, that's God. Your job. That's God. Your friends, that's God. Your school or acceptance into your university, that's God. Your work, that's God. Church, God also does not tempt us to evil, nor does he directly send evil our way, but he allows it and he works it out for his glory and for our good. Do you get it? God is in absolute control. God is in absolute control of all of creation. Nothing and no one has absolute free reign but God. So do you want your path to be straightened? Then stop stealing his credit. Give him the glory that is due to his name for the mercies that he bestows upon us day after day. And after that, do not lean on your own understanding. There is, no greater, there is no greater enemy to the fear of the Lord in our hearts than self-conceit, than pride, than arrogance, than the smugness of our own wisdom. O believer, understand that your understanding is flawed. It is affected by sin. It is vulnerable to the temptation of the evil one. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 26 says, He who trusts in himself is a fool, but the one who walks in wisdom will be safe. 
The wisdom of the Lord must be the guide of the saint. Matthew Henry writes, and I quote, I have it on the screen as well. Those who know themselves find their own understandings a broken reed, which if they lean upon will fail. I added this part. They recognize that trusting in their own wisdom is like doing the gorge swing with dental floss or a thin thread. Its end is destruction. Matthew Henry continues, Do not plan anything but what is lawful and beg God to direct you in every case, though it may seem quite plain. In all your ways that prove pleasant, in which we gain our point, we must acknowledge God with thankfulness. In all our ways that prove uncomfortable, that are hedged up on thorns, we must acknowledge Him with submission. It is promised He will direct your paths so that, you, so that your way will be safe and good and happy at last. So lastly, a warning. Verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh. This is important because we have a tendency to overestimate ourselves and to think that we are better than everyone and anyone else. We all know that one person, don't point them out in the room, who refuses to be corrected under any circumstance and at all times. But at times it is us. We all refuse at times to be corrected. Remember, do you remember what happened in the book of Judges? The people were wise in their own eyes. They did what was right in their own eyes. And the result of this was there arose a generation that did not know God. And the result of that was that they did evil in the sight of God. J. Machen said, we are living in an age when men have forgotten God. They have become engrossed in their own affairs. They have been puffed up in their pride. They have put God out of their thoughts. The result is that our boasted civilization is rushing rapidly to its fall. Oh, that men would turn to God while there is time. This is a warning for us all, that God may not leave us to ourselves in destruction. Church, fear the Lord and turn from evil, for by so doing, it will be healing, it will be refreshing to your bones. Church, a life of surrender and trust in God has real benefits to the health of one trusting in Him. It gives a greater sense of peace and strength that no one would have apart from a life of trust and surrender to God. And at the same time, and in the same way, medicine gives strength to the entire physical being of a man, so does the fear of the Lord give strength to the soul of the believer. So tonight, church, the challenge is, do you trust in God? Four things are brought to our attention. Do you have God's word hidden in your heart? Do not forsake the teaching of God's word and be diligent to keep them, for by so doing you will have peace. Number two, 
Can we find grace and mercy on you like clothes and in your heart like a tattoo? For you will not be successful in God's economy without these. Do you have a wholehearted trust in God and in God alone? Do you acknowledge His providence in all of your life? And lastly, be warned. Do not be wise in your own eyes, for by so doing, you will be led to destruction. So Father, even as we sang before the sermon, I do pray that tonight you would help us to turn our eyes upon Jesus. God, our natural disposition is to trust in ourselves, but Lord, I pray that you teach us to see, Lord, how dangerous that really is. Lord, our hearts are sinful. Lord, we still have the sinful nature within us. And God, we are easily led astray by our own flesh and by the temptation of the deceiver. So God, help us to trust in you and in no one else. God, help us to grow in our knowledge of you, to grow in our, in our understanding of your character, of your nature, so that we can grow in our trust of you. Because we know that, God, you are faithful to keep every promise written in your word for today and for all eternity. God, you indeed are worthy of trust. God, you are not like man who is unfaithful. God, you are faithful. So God, help us to trust in you. I pray, Father, even as we leave here, that God, we would acknowledge you in everything. Help us to see your providence, Lord, in the jobs that we have, in in the school that we have, in the homes that we have, in the food that we have. Lord, in every act of mercy you 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 give to us, help us, Lord Jesus, to acknowledge you. And Lord, from this, teach us to live a life of surrender and worship to you. For you are worthy of it, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.